podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to Jennifer Gold. So Jennifer, say hello to everybody that's listening. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Jennifer, first share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and background as far as what state in the Northwest do you live in? Sure. I am living in the Olympic, on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State. I grew up in Port Townsend, Washington, Ah. which is the little Quimper Peninsula. So we're right by the Puget Sound and we've always had a lot of fun spending time on boats, going up into the San Juan Islands. You can see Canada in the distance. So that's where I'm coming from. And and I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I just absolutely love this area. You are a native. How rare it is for me to get an author, (laughs) native author. Plus, you grew up in my all-time favorite part of the Pacific Northwest, that area. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I was fortunate enough. I'm down south. I grew up down south, closer to Vancouver, Washington. But my father loves boats. And so we spent quite a few summers in the San Juan Islands growing up. Oh, great. Um, And my sister and I, to this day, she lives on a harbor in Olympia. So her house looks over the water. And it's my goal to someday move to a place or have a second home or whatever on the sound because I love that feeling so much. There's just nothing better, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I Yeah, I love being near the water. Anytime I travel and there's no water, I, I always really crave it. Yep. My husband, I let, he laughs all the time because he's a Washington native as well, but he loves the desert. And I always tell him, I will never move to the desert. I have to be close to the ocean, particularly the Pacific Northwest Ocean. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, okay, wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about what your background is. Have you always been an author, fortunate to author, or is was authoring like your side thing, then you got published? Or talk us through that journey. Yeah, I I feel like being an author spans all of those things on an ongoing basis. So I my early in my career, I actually got published with a small independent publisher in the fantasy genre when I was just finishing high school. Wow. I have been yeah, so I've been publishing for over a decade now and writing obviously. And, and yeah, so I've always treated it like a career. I, I went to college for it. I, I have a master's degree in writing and instruction. That's and nice combination. I've, yeah. Yeah. You got it. That's I'm in higher ed. So that's where a lot of us writers end up as an education of some sort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And so I've always, and that's why I say it's hard to say some years it feels more like a side hustle and other years it really feels like it's taking center stage. And I think that's the beauty of being an author is that flexibility and the ability to really immerse yourself in different areas of the business based Mm -hmm. on your interests or your skill sets. I've worked in publishing. I've done freelance editing. I do freelance writing coaching and I also write books and it's this nice blend of jobs that all add into one, basically. I think that's great though, because I feel like there's not many book published authors that can 
live on that income themselves. I feel like it's diversify if you're going to make a living at it. And it it should be in and around the industry if you want to be considered a professional in it. Yeah. And I think it's a mindset thing too. I know authors who have a totally separate day job and that really works for them. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely considered that in my own in my own life, because I think sometimes being so immersed in the industry can be a creative tax, my own work. (laughs) But lately, it's been a nice balance. And I think really, I think the moment that I really felt like I was a working career author was when I started treating my writing as a business. Yeah. Getting the sole proprietorship, like getting all of the small business stuff in order. I love that's what you're going to say. Cause that's right where my <laughs> mind has been at for the last four months thinking that's what I need to do. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And like I said, like aside from just the practicality of it, I think when you start to think of it in that capacity, it really changes your mindset and any marketing related tasks, any branding related work that you're doing, all of that stuff falls un- under the umbrella of being a writer. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. So I I definitely think like it it took that shift of perspective for me to really begin to feel like, okay, I'm a career author. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I'm on the launching pad to that. I currently have a day job. I do love my day job. My day job gives me plenty of flexibility. I work from home. I'm one of the few before COVID that had been working from home. So I'm I'm going into about nine years of working from home. And now I'm writing how to manuals for people that don't know how to work from home. <laughs> it's so awesome. funny to me. Cracks me up. <laughs> but I I work for higher ed, so it's a really it's a good job. But I had decided so the genesis was 2 years ago I started writing seriously my first book. And then I didn't really have a community of authors around me, so I started asking people, found out, oh, there's a lot of people out there. And then I started asking them, how did you get published? How did you get an agent? And then all the information was so brilliant. I'm like, I need to make a podcast. And my husband's like, (laughs) why aren't you just writing? Because the podcast is so important. I have to diversify and I have to become a business partner. He's just (laughs) just write a book. And I'm like, I'm getting there. The book is done. (laughs) The manuscript's completed. And now I'm going back and rewriting and starting my agent um, process. So I'm in the stage of decided I'm going to try for an agent making my wish list. So I'm in the very beginning stages of that. And that's great. I think being organized and having a plan and it sounds like you're well on your way for sure. I really felt like from all my research, there's the platform. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. do I enjoy doing to build that platform? I love interviewing people. I love talking. I love this whole podcast has just been so vibrant. We have a great community that follow us. A lot of the authors that have come on have become my friends and we're getting readers hearing about people. So that's super yeah. exciting. Oh, that's um, great. And yeah, I'm in the business process now and I've just finished the production of a mini course that will be launching and I'm working on finalizing a final course and it's all around research, helping authors do research because I'm a librarian too. So I'm like, use the niche I got. Good (laughs) skills. Yeah, Yeah, those are great skills. (laughs) So enough about me. So tell us, this is your pop question that you didn't know about pop quiz. Tell me what you are currently reading. 
Oh, sure. I'm actually just shifting books right now. One, I'm always reading a craft book or some sort of like business related nonfiction mm-hmm. related to yep. writing. Yep, me so too. <laughs> I'm reading intuitive editing right now. Oh, um, interesting. Which yeah. is It's fabulous. It's fabulous. I'm writing it down, everybody, if you can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a really great book, craft book on editing. I'm loving it. And then I just finished reading Normal People by Sally Rooney. And then I just started like a little palate cleanse, like sweet romance. Mm. And yeah, I and I'm like, I have my sights set on Daisy Jones and the Fix. I still have not read that one yet. So it's on my readers list too. <laughs> totally. Well, and I loved The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so hard because I want to read so many things. We have very little time in the day and do everything else. But my reading list grows every time I talk to an author. Thus, the intuitive editing has just been added to the nonfiction. <laughs> totally. I know. Yeah, I have that problem too. And I feel like with everything being shut down, I've been really making it a point to buy books from my local bookstore. And I know them over there from doing events and stuff. And I feel like it's the perfect excuse for me to just buy way more books than I would normally allow. My husband's (laughs) like, seriously, I can't build any more shelves, honey. And I'm like, oh, I got places we could build shelves. I can buy (laughs) And plus you're building me that office. We'll just add more shelves in there. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Get the built-in like floor to ceiling. And yeah. 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 I'm a librarian without a library in my house. Come on. I got to have books to categorize and organize. <laughs> Jennifer Gold is your pen name. Yes. Your real name is Nicole Pers- Person, right? Yes. Okay. So talk us through the reason behind that. I, I don't have many authors on that have a pen name. I love pen names and I've been playing with one for a long time, but I don't think I'll be able to get it out there now that I'm everybody knows me on the podcast. But <laughs> but talk us through all of that with us. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned earlier, because I had a career in the sci-fi fantasy genre that was under my real name years and years ago, and I had some relative success in that genre and enough of a following that when I started branching out into other genres, it was clear that if I published anything that wasn't in that realm... I would be encountering reader confusion and just some other like brand issues. Mm-hmm. So when my my first women's fiction or book club fiction novel was accepted for publication at Lake Union, which is the publisher I'm working with now, they suggested that I rebrand under a pen name and use that pen name for my contemporary book club fiction books. How nice. Um, how nice. So I got to ask how you got Jennifer Gold. Did that just come out of blue? Because it's <laughs> one of the easier names that I've had to say on this podcast. <laughs> totally. Yeah, there was a lot of thought that I put into it. I will say it was not something that I necessarily expected as a request from a publisher, but they're yeah. a big publisher and they're very marketing savvy. And so I definitely trusted their judgment on that yeah, front. Yeah. But I remember emailing my agent and being like, have you had other authors 
come up with a pen name? Like, how do you you come up with it? I was just, I had no idea. And she basically told me, like, you can pick pretty much anything you want. Something that sounds cool, something that has sentimental value. The long story short is my middle name is Jennifer. So that was an easy Mm-hmm. an easy one to use. And then gold is a nod to, I, we have horses and ah, my, okay. my childhood horse, her name is Goldie. She's a Palomino. Aww. And so gold is a nod to her, but I also like those monosyllabic last yeah. names. Yeah. Me too. Um, I feel like it's pretty punchy. And I also liked um, the idea of having a color and stuff like that. And, and, and it's it, marketing savvy in that sense of the color. It's absolutely. a great marketing aspect of it. Yeah. So yeah, because I did this pen name under the suggestion of a publisher for the purpose of a rebrand, I really wanted to think strategically about who essentially being more myself online mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm connecting with the readers who are interested in what I'm writing. And I, I absolutely had that thinking as far as website colors and my debut under this name, like the name is written in gold and it's yeah. embossed. So it kind of shimmers and oh, that's super great. <laughs> yeah. So I, love, like, so I great. love the aesthetic of yeah. Those kinds of things as well. So I, it, it, there were there was a lot of thought behind it for sure. I'm a connoisseur of websites because I'm a web designer. I love web design, and I've seen many websites of authors in my time in just two years. And yours has that feel of a really great marketing planned out website, and it oh, fits thank you. well. So I think that's it's beautiful. So oh, I really, really appreciate that. And it's very yeah. Northwestern, which I love all the pictures on it. I'm like, oh gosh, it's so great. It's Northwest all the way. <laughs> totally. Well, and yeah, I, definitely going back to the Pacific Northwest thing, my most recent book that came out takes place in Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it there's a lot of stuff on the water and all of that. And so I wanted to make sure that when you come to my website, you get a really strong sense of who I am, where I come from, what I'm writing. I think that's really important for all authors to think about. So I, I think you're 100% and I'm always thinking about branding, even though I don't have a book out yet. I'm always thinking about branding. I'm, I'm like now at the point where my husband's, do you think your fiction books are going to fit into your brand you've created in the last two years? I'm like, I don't care. I'll just create a whole nother side of my <laughs> for the books. That's no big deal. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah, You can always pivot for sure. Absolutely. So, well, well, I think that's really great information. Thanks for sharing that. And can people find you under the Nicole person um, books as well? You definitely can. I am online Mm -hmm. under my real name, but I have not been tending to any of those social media handles or anything like that. Like I said, my my last fantasy novel came out in 2013. So okay. it's been a minute since I've yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah dabbled in sci-fi fantasy. And the publisher that I was working with, they're an independent publisher out of Seattle, and they folded years after I was published with them. The books are still available as eBooks, but that's it because, yeah. yeah. So I've been very focused on my Jennifer Gold stuff. I I think thinking about my career long term, thinking about the kinds of books that I really gravitate toward and have been Mm -hmm. enjoying writing 
it's all in that contemporary fiction space, the book club space. I think it's also a testament to that authors can grow and how they write can change. And I think that it's a really great testament to that, that totally. Yeah. I haven't subscribed yet to the idea, even though I get a lot of advice that you should pick your genre and stay there. And I'm just like, I don't know if I believe that because I'm working on a historical fiction book that probably hits more like female fiction, but it's based in history versus contemporary times. But I love mystery writing and true crime. I love reading all that. And I also love other genres. So I'm like, man, I don't want to be boxed into just one thing. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And thankfully, like other genres have easier crossover. Like I know historical fiction authors who are really like most compatible in that pop fiction space and they can do contemporary and historical because it has similar themes or similar internal journeys and that sort of thing. But for me, it was like going from (laughs) epic fantasy to like a women's fiction about baking. And so it was was like like, such a huge, yeah, yeah. Such a huge difference. (laughs) Have you ever found yourself not answering to your name, Jennifer Gold in an environment? It's really funny. During events, it's okay. And often I'm pretty open about having a pen name. I'm not like trying to hide behind that. So I usually, (laughs) yeah. So I usually tell people my name's Nicole. I'm writing as Jennifer Gold and people can call me whatever they want between the two. But I will say I did spend a lot of time practicing my Jennifer Gold signature. Ah, I think so. Yeah, like leading up to my my first book launch. And it was, I, I definitely, there were a few instances where I would go to sign for like a credit card purchase or something and want to <laughs> sign my Jennifer Gold and then get it. So I definitely had some like identity issues. I could imagine. Yep, yep. <laughs> I would be the one, I don't even answer to mom because my kids, they're older, but yeah. um, if I'm in a crowd and they say, mom, I don't pay attention. And yeah. so they, they know they have to say, Vicky, it's going to get my attention. So I think that probably having the association for you of your middle name, at least is the association, but I can imagine that it would be interesting. I had one time to signed my maiden name years Years I'm talking after I was married. I'm thinking 15 or 20 years. I signed oh, a that's check. Funny. And it was very strange because they didn't really like writing my last name as my maiden name because it was very long. And I was like, what is that? That's weird. And I always thought maybe my maiden name is going to be my pseudo name or one of my pen names. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Okay. So you're traditionally published. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Talk us through that process for you. You were traditionally published with your first books and coming out to your newest books, the the female fiction and contemporary fiction. Walk us through that. Did you have the same agent or did you have an agent for the first ones? Kind of tell us the journey. Sure. My earlier work, as I mentioned, was with a small independent publisher. I originally entered into that publisher through an open submission period. So I did not need an agent for that. Mm -hmm. I did. The other thing I should mention is I'm on the board of the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Oh, that's helpful. (laughs) I met my current agent through their organization and I met, I've met a lot of industry professionals. Yeah. And so 
when I was first starting out, I, I paid attention to those open submission periods for the small publishers. But now I, I have an agent. Lake Union Publishing is an imprint of Amazon Publishing, which is their traditional publishing arm. So they operate just like a regular large publisher. Mm -hmm. And of course, they require that you are approaching them with an agent and all of that. Mm -hmm. But the way that I met my agent is very unique. Oh, do um, share. I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm always I like, wondering how I'm going to meet my agent. So <laughs> it's, I think, I think the way that I got my agent is extremely rare and unique. It's very specific to us. So I'm just going to preface it by saying yeah. that this is this not the normal, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the normal way to get an agent, but because I am on the board of the PNWA, I was, I've been involved in their conference for about 10 years and they bring in 20 or so agents and 20 or so editors to each of their conferences. If you are currently looking for an agent to any, anyone listening Conferences are a really great way to do that. You can make face-to-face -face connections. You can mm -hmm. really see what that person is like in real life and hear what they're looking for. And mm -hmm. it's at a conference, there are opportunities to do like a speed dating session. I've heard um, about it. I'm excited about the, getting there someday and doing that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And it's, it can be intimidating. The thing to remember is that agents want to want your book. They're there because they love books. Mm -hmm. And the more excited and enthusiastic you are and the more homework you do on that person, the better your chances. But my current agent, when I first met her, it was about 10 years ago and I was writing sci-fi fantasy. And she was an editor at the time handling I believe some memoir and she also handles mystery and contemporary fiction and all of that. So she, she was not in my writing realm mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was a little intimidated by her anyway. So I, love it. <laughs> I was definitely like, I, I knew all the sci-fi fantasy agents and editors. I met her in passing. Mm -hmm. And then about eight years later, when I actually was working on something that she might be interested in. I, I had become friends with her new boss who owned an agency. That boss was in the sci-fi fantasy genre. And so I knew her very well. And we had become friends over the course of my experience with the PNWA behind the scenes. And she had just taken on this former editor as a new agent at her agency. Uh -huh. And so casually, she was asking me one day at one of the conferences what I was working on. And I gave her like a really quick and dirty pitch for my women's fiction novel. I was still very much in the middle of edits. I was not looking <laughs> to pitch the book. I love it. <laughs> it was just friend to friend. Yeah, like, exactly. She was like, hey, what, do you, what have you been working on? And so, of course, she was like, oh, my gosh, Michelle would really love your book. Like, I think she would be really excited about it. You should talk to her about it. And like I said, I was very intimidated by her. She's very direct. And, and I like being a fragile Pacific Northwest author and very <laughs> non-confrontational and nervous. Uh, I love that you classified it all that way. That's awesome. <laughs> totally. I it's so the truth. We stay indoors a lot. 
We do. Yeah. And I was just, I was very intimidated by her. I admired her so much and knew that she was very sharp and very, very good at her job. And I was just, I was like, yeah, I'm not even looking to pitch this book. I I, like, why would I go to her out of the blue and try to pitch her a book that's not done? Yeah, exactly. So I told her boss, like, nah, I'm good. And (laughs) ready. (laughs) And so her boss told her about my book at some point over the weekend. And and she actually tracked me down. Like the perfect experience, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you have to understand, like, I sat down before a class. I had a, a rare block where I wasn't, didn't need to be anywhere and wanted to sit in on this class. And she came over and sat down right next to me and she was like, tell me about your book. And it was right around the time the book that I'm talking about is The Ingredients of Us, which is my first one under Jennifer Gold. And and at the time, like the Great British Bake Off was a really big deal. Which is one of my favorite go-to shows when I'm going to watch mindless TV and work on anything. (laughs) I agree. And and she was a huge fan of that show. And I, I was like... I don't have a pitch prepared. The book is not ready. Like I was totally flustered. And she was like, just tell me about the story a little bit. And it turned out that she was very interested in it. And so she said, you know what? Don't worry about edits. Just send me a synopsis on the first three chapters or whatever it was that she asked for. And, And she was very quick. She responded to my materials right away and wanted to represent me. And we ended up working on the edits together, which I think was really great. Her being a former editor was Mm -hmm. absolutely fabulous. Not all of them are editors in any way, shape, or the form. So that's not normal. (laughs) And so I, I feel super lucky to have her in my corner. She's a very sharp editor. She's a wonderful agent. I think my first book with her at the time was her quickest sale. So it really went fast. Somebody might've beat my record by now. How dare they? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a definitely, it's a unique story, but I will say it really shows the importance of making connections at Mm -hmm. conferences, whether you expect something to come of it or not. I was not even writing in her genre at the time and and just knew her in passing. Mm-hmm. And I think being involved in writers groups and conferences and volunteering when you can and, and mm-hmm. really immersing yourself in the world of publishing can be a huge asset because it is a very tight community. Mm-hmm. And the more people you meet and connect with, like you just never know. You never know no. what path it's going to take you down. And Jennifer, that story is so inspiring to me because I'm such a believer in partnerships and relationship over anything else. And I do believe that the right connections come about for people and it's a successful thing and it's at the right timing. I'm so glad that you didn't shy away from that opportunity. I was definitely shy. (laughs) I mean, because it's easy for us in our self-doubt to just be like, nope, not going to respond. This is too much for me. And Mm -hmm. especially if somebody is um, a different personality type, but that's the kind of personality type we might need to be our agent because we're completely opposite. Absolutely. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And when you mentioned the word partner, and I think that's really important, your agent is your business partner. Like Mm -hmm. they are 
advocating for you to the publishers and they're on your team. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. I think making sure that you have a, a close relationship with them and an understanding and also going with someone who complements those more timid writery tendencies yeah. is, is yeah. definitely helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's so funny because prior to even just the last eight months, I was really hesitant. And I've talked about it pretty early on in my podcast. I really didn't know if I was going to self-publish or what I was going to do. The whole podcast was about me talking to a lot of authors to find out what's available to be inspired, but really pick their brain. And totally. I was really, I was very resistant towards agent, the traditional route. And the reason why it comes from fear, and I'll be honest, because my husband and I came from rock and roll music industry, and we had we had contracts, agents, we had handlers, <laughs> let's put it that way, <laughs> was not always a pleasant experience. And it did dissolve in a negative environment and left a bad taste in my mouth for that many people involved in my creative work. Now, that was just one experience that we had, but it was enough for me to be like, oh, nobody's touching my creative work ever again. I'm not happening. But over the last few years, especially through some of the authors I've met from the Seattle area, one in particular, Bill, he said on the podcast, he asked me, he goes, what are you going to do, Vicki? And I'm like, I'm thinking about self-publishing. And he flat out asked why. And I go, well, because I'm afraid of the whole traditional thing. And he, and he flat out just said, don't not pursue traditional publishing out of fear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I have always been an advocate for stepping out of fear and trying. So, yeah. so I finally have embraced it. And now I'm just now thinking about, it. I've said it out loud enough that my husband is excited because he knows me enough to know that it's important for me to have a good, strong partnership team. And this is like healing for us to have this process to go through. He's even said it on the phone to people. I think he's going to start looking for an agent. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now I'm really committed. <laughs> Well, and I think, I, I definitely think any form of publishing, any form of, let's face it, like feedback, criticism, every step of the way can be really scary, mm -hmm. especially for an author who has been working on a book for years and years. Yeah. I think yeah. you're going to face rejection and criticism when you're looking for an agent. You're mm -hmm. going to face criticism when you are working with an editor you're going to face negative reviews when your book comes out. I think yes. it's part of the game. Yep. And I also, I will say, I it definitely resonates with me, you saying that it can be really scary to put yourself out there. And I think for anyone listening, the way that I always approach my work is I care so deeply about my writing and my creative work and my readers. And I think I, I feel like I owe it to my creative self to take those leaps mm -hmm. and yep. face those fears. And I think like when you put it into under the, into the, that perspective of I owe it to myself to mm -hmm. put myself out there and try because I've worked so hard on it. Yep. I think it can be very empowering to think that way. Yeah. And face it head on. Well, Jennifer, you're speaking to me again today because I've been working on all this other creative stuff on the side to help in the business of writing that platform, the yeah. podcast. There's days where I'm just like, I can't do this podcast anymore. I'm so tired. But then I get 
an author like you on that reminds me of why I do it. <laughs> this connection is so important to me. And I know that my listeners, if they're readers or authors, they hear these connections happen. They hear what we're saying and it encourages them. Sometimes I never know who it is. Every once in a while, this kind of moment happens. So thank you so much. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to be here. I love making those connections. I love it too. So let's talk about the inspiration for the book that you're going to read to us. Tell us the title you're going to read. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration. And then let's set the stage for the reading because I'm very interested in hearing it. Sure. The book that I'm going to be reading from today is called Keep Me Afloat. Mm -hmm. It's my newest title. It came out in March. And I'm super excited to be talking about it because my entire tour, <laughs> yeah, my entire tour was canceled. So, oh, heartbreaking, um, isn't it? <laughs> I know. And I, I mean, like the introvert in me was a little relieved, I will yeah, say. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Dang, I don't have to go stand in front of people. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I definitely have missed the opportunity to connect with my readers and to talk a little bit about the books. Just a very quick description. It's about a marine biologist who made a mistake in her past in her relationship. And uh, the book takes place five years later when she is coming back to her hometown to seek forgiveness and face all of the people that she hurt in the past. Ouch. So, <laughs> yeah. So the book is, it's about forgiveness. It's about self-discovery. There are a lot of themes of love and career and marriage and, and nice. kind of how you balance all of those things in life. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a topic that I'm really passionate about. And like I said, I grew up in Port Townsend and we, somebody posted a video like yesterday of seeing orcas from oh. the dock Oh and my gosh, I follow the orcas on, there's some web cameras and I follow yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I'm yeah. always on that. <laughs> they're, they're incredible. Yeah. And I, the way that I put it is, I, for a long time, I wanted to be a marine biologist oh. when I was a kid, before I started really taking the writing thing seriously. And Keep Me Afloat was like my opportunity to nerd out about whales oh, <laughs> in, oh my in my creative work. <laughs> I love it. I have to share this with you real quick if you're a whale fan. So sure. I am too. And I finally got the privilege two years ago. My husband took me to Maui in February so we could see the migration. And we were there for oh. over a week. The most amazing experience. If you haven't done that and you love whales, you absolutely have to go. It's phenomenal. You could be on the highway driving um, along the coastline and you see them breaching out. Oh, in the water. wow. It's, it's gorgeous. It's life-changing. So there's my uh, plug for Maui in February. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. It's making me want to travel. <laughs> I know. I'm ready to travel too. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Last year I went to Tahiti for a similar purpose. Did you, um, did you get to dive with wells there? I did. Yeah. Oh, and, I have friends that have done that. <laughs> yeah. And so I connected with marine biologist actually, and a nature photographer who does really small expeditions with just like six people he'll take out and got to swim with humpback whales, which was 
by far the mm-hmm. most incredible yeah. thing. That's on my so. bucket list. I have a friend from my <laughs> university. He goes every year and he's, there's a space Aww. for you and your husband every year to come with me and go diving. He does actual like real diving because he's a photographer cool. too. And I don't have, I'm not certified. Um, yeah. So I have to get certified, but it's on the bucket list. That is like getting published, buying a house in the, the sound and going <laughs> there are my three bucket list things that I want to get done. <laughs> Hey, Keep Me Afloat was one of the things that made it possible for me to go do that. And so I think, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And when it first came out, I I donated a big chunk of my sales to nonprofits benefiting whales. And so I, I really wanted to use the book as a way to advocate for this incredible place that we live in. The Pacific Northwest is absolutely stunningly beautiful and mm-hmm. yep we have just some of the some of the greatest habitats around and i think anything that we can do to help that is a good thing. So that's my soapbox for the I night. I agree. I love the soapbox and we can come back and we can talk about it again for sure. I, I think I need a whole well podcast. Sure. Cool. <laughs> Meet marine biologists all over the world and interview them just so that I can see wells. <laughs> totally. I, yeah. If you need an assistant for okay. that, I'm there. Okay, I'm putting it on the to-do list, Jennifer, <laughs> between the writing and the work, but okay. So share with us the reading because my listeners are probably going, Oh, here's Vicki goes again about the and I'll go ahead and be quiet so you you can set the stage however you want to set the stage for the reading sure so the piece that I'm going to be reading tonight comes later in the book the other thing that I should mention about the story is it takes place in the present day when my main character Abby is returning home after years away looking to kind of face the ghosts of her past, if you will. And, but the book also takes place years and years earlier so that you get to see her love story with her husband at the time, Dennis. So the piece that I'm going to read is relatively short and it takes place late in that past timeline where they are starting to have some marital issues centered around her her need to pursue a career in marine biology and feeling stuck in their hometown setting in that small town where it's hard to find work. I think that's all that you need to know. My main character's name is Abby and her husband's name is Dennis. And the section starts when they have been arguing and that's all you need to know. On Monday... I woke up long before my alarm. Dennis and I had barely spoken the remainder of Sunday and had gone to bed without even so much as a good night. We'd even skipped our dinner plans, instead ordering takeout and eating in front of the TV. Yet that morning, on the fuzzy border of sleep, I felt his arm draped over my side, and I pressed into the heat of his body, enjoying the sensation. Instinctively, he drew me closer. Then the world came screaming. It was a horrible moment, really. Caught in the gauzy glow of restfulness, I suddenly felt everything all at once rushing back at me. Stress, regret, guilt, anger, and especially fear that I'd get up and Dennis would still be angry. Fear that if I told Dennis about my unhappiness, just one more day of putting off my dreams, he'd leave. Fear that I might leave him. 
I slipped out from under his hold and the covers. Cool air gripped me, and I wiggled into a robe and slippers. Downstairs, the morning light cast the kitchen in a buttery glow. The sun had not yet fully risen over the trees. Long shadows striated our front field. Deer mingled, flicking their tails, practically invisible in the tawny grass. It would be a warm day. Closer to the house, spiderwebs glistened with dew, more delicate than lace. I started the coffee maker and sank into a dining table chair facing the window. In Alaska, while getting my degree, I'd gone out on a little research boat with my classmates and professor. It was a routine trip, half designed to collect seawater samples for a lab class, half an excuse to spend a day out on the water. We'd just eaten lunch and were making our return trip when we spotted a flurry of seagulls not far from the forested shoreline. The gulls were twisting and hovering and making a raucous commotion. We cut the engine just as a burst of dark mouths broke the surface from some 30 yards away, lunging upward in a great surge. The bravest gulls descended, and then the giant mouths sank back into the ocean. A few students hooted at the sight. I was dumbfounded into silence. Five humpbacks, cooperatively feeding. We waited for what felt like eons, watching the water. Gulls hovered, stoking our own excitement. Then a ring of bubbles simmered at the surface, not far from the first lunge. The birds sank toward the water, and then the whales thrust upward all at once in a great gray mass. Their open mouths looked like giant mussels cracked open, dark maws with white barnacled pockmarks. I could see the billowing, expanded throat of the closest humpback, filled with thousands of gallons of water and herring, the nose sinking into the depths once more. Not in my entire life had I felt so exhilarated, joyous, or small. This was before I'd run into Dennis in that coffee shop, before our romance had bloomed. It was, perhaps, the highest point of my professional life. The thought saddened me. As the sun rose on that Monday morning, I realized that if I didn't do anything about my unhappiness, my career would only ever be a distant memory, longed for at a kitchen table. Oh my goodness. I love it already. <laughs> I need to read more. It's very real. So anybody that's been married longer than two minutes... <laughs> <laughs> they know that story in some totally. way or um, part of it. So I'm really curious to see how and read how it progresses and how it comes around. And hopefully there's some healing in it. Oh, <laughs> so. for sure. For sure. <laughs> I always that? say my books have hopefully ever afters. Beautiful. Yeah. Like it's not always happily like a romance, but they're always hopeful in the end mm -hmm. for sure. I think it's lovely, and I love the description of the whales, and I could see why she would be longing. <laughs> like, I understand that career balance, wife-husband scenario very well. So, bravo. Oh, well, thank you. as we go out of the podcast, share with the listeners that are like myself, whatever stage they're in, you already had a, a good career, and you talked a lot 
about, you know, that process and it's been 10 years, but what would you tell somebody like me as we go to the, the podcast, as far as this whole writing career thing? Ooh, that's a good question. I know it's, um, double, it's, it's a big loaded question. Isn't it, it is. <laughs> How much time do you have? Exactly. <laughs> I, I have two things that, that come to mind right away. The first thing is to continually remind yourself why you love writing and why you write in the first place. This can be such a challenging career and it can be quite an overwhelming and sometimes callous industry. And it's definitely easy to get caught up in the publishing goals, the business goals, the marketing, the brand, the social media, agents, editors, publishers, conferences, all of that stuff can become overwhelming and sometimes disheartening. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I hate to say it, but I think that's relatively normal. I think all authors have gone through periods of ups and downs. I certainly have. And I think the most important thing to remember is that you love the work. And Mm -hmm. I think as much as you can find solace in that work and look to writing and editing and that introspective part of the job, part of being a writer, the writing part, the more that you can look to that as a place of healing and in some ways therapy or at the very least a place of joy Mm -hmm. is really important. And I think that's really what gets you through those challenging moments in publishing. So that's the first part of what I would say. And then also, just more practically, be prepared for your career to change and grow. It's a roller coaster. I think a lot of beginning authors, including myself, when I was first getting started, thought that once you get published, that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. you've made it. You've got the golden ticket. Exactly. (laughs) And I think... You know, oh man, I think it was Ellen Hildebrand or one of those authors who who pointed out like there are people, there are the rare few debut authors like Delia Owens who wrote Crawdads where it's explosive right out the gate. And then there are other authors who write 10 books before they have something on the bestsellers list. Mm -hmm. And I think being patient with yourself and knowing that just because you're with one publisher now doesn't mean that you won't experience other publishers in the future. I think being willing to experiment and play with the career end of things. I have friends who are published traditionally, they self-publish, and they basically try it all and have had success in all different places. And so I think keeping in mind that one deal is not the end of the road. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new career. And, and to be, to let that be exhilarating as often as you possibly can to enjoy the ride as it goes up and down. (laughs) I love it. Such great advice. And thank you, Jennifer, for sharing it with me because I haven't even published. And I know now the reason why so many people stop after not even finishing a manuscript <laughs> because it is an up and down thing and, and you have to remind yourself of the aspect of that joy of the journey is really what it's about. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. And don't let it get you down. I think 
it's really true. Like the people who keep going are the ones who get published. And yeah, like just keep going. I, I think, yeah, I definitely, if you really want to be a career author and to keep writing books and you want to do it for the long haul, you got to be prepared for that twisting, turning journey for sure. You got to put your seatbelt down and buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Keep your hands in the right at all times. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Well, what a great way to end. Jennifer, thanks so much for being here. I enjoyed our time together. Um, Listeners, if you loved it, go on my show notes find her website, get her book, and then also let Jennifer know you heard her on the podcast. There's nothing greater than letting um, authors know that, especially right now when we're all stuck at home. (laughs) So hopefully by the time this comes out, that's changed. But if not, who knows? So Jennifer, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me.